Hello and welcome to this week's episodes of The Calling. Follow your spirit all the way in. I'm your host, Homaya. Join me in this journey of self-awareness, soul frequencies and spiritual revelations. Let's fly. Welcome back. This is so good to welcome today Clinton Callahan, which is a very dear friend, a colleague, a co-teacher, someone who personally supported me and guided me through my life, my personal evolution, my spiritual evolution. I met him for the first time when I was a spiritual baby, we can say that, in a coffee shop. I think it was somewhere in Munich or something like that, right? Well, that was such an amazing thing. And I remember I was taking some notes, Clinton, and then you were saying to me, do you write your book? And I said, just taking notes. This is the beginning of a book. <laughs> and then since then, when I was doing large and deep work group, I invited Clinton several times to be a, a co-teacher with me and supported you also in teaching different places around the world. Uh, being in your presence, being with you is a remarkable experience. It's something that lasts forever. Really, it does not does not disappear from the space, from the mind, from the, the impact is so deep. It's really life-changing. And I haven't met you for three years. That was the last time that we've met here in my house. I remember my child coming to you and shaking your hand with a lot of enthusiasm as he was reading Good Night Feelings, one of your books, right? And he's still yes. reading that. He's still wow. reading that. Yeah, we're still going to this book again and again. He's already eight and a half. And yeah, and recommending this book for many people. And let me also share with those who are listening that you're also the author of adult book, we can say. More adult books like <laughs> Conscious Feeling and Radiating Joy, Brilliant Love. Um, I've seen that there's a new book, which is Building Love That Lasts. And you were also part of The Leap, yeah, a movie, a full uh, movie. But three years in Clinton time, probably there are like three more books, three more businesses, two more videos. Like what is going on in your world since then? And 650 websites at the start of <laughs> right. the Right, yeah. Oh, yes. This is another thing, <laughs> right. 650 others, yeah, the No Reason book about my time, my 21 years with Lee Lozowick, an amazing additional book called White Witch of Tenerife, which oh, wow. would really support people in your, in your domain with remarkable stories from a woman who decided not to agree on limiting her potential to what other people thought she should be in a Is whole lifetime of that. Is this the woman you that you were traveling some time to work with? I, I lived in for one month at her place in in Tenerife. Yeah, I Canary met you Island. just before going there. One yeah, of our meetings okay. were just before going there. I need to read mm -hmm. this book. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It's just a fabulous, inspiring of getting positive feedback from witches coming back to life. Oh so my god. Yeah. What did you compose there? What, what are the uh, spells that you put inside? 
Uh, it's it's really a door opener for people to get in touch with their essential gifts and to trust them and to go forward because because it's that's our story, you know. You know, we we were born in a, a culture that suppresses all that, and for for you and me and some a few other people, that was not satisfying. And so, <laughs> <Not> <laughs> and so we've spent our lives going to the edge. Yeah. And whatever way we could find that edge, you know, it doesn't take so many drugs and, you know, stuff like that to get to the edge. The edge is right there. So once you're at the edge, it's about staying at the edge. And you've uh -huh. stayed at the edge the whole time. And that's Stays what it's and about. stretched it. I kept on stretching the edge and I keep on stretching it. <laughs> if it that's how you, you do it. You have to stay there to stretch the edge. And it's, it's fabulous, invigorating work. I mean, it's really fabulous. It's, it's carried me through like since 1975 for the whole time, just on and on and on. And it's not, there's no end. There's only more and more, as you know, it's like wider and deeper and broader and bigger and more amazing and more inspiring. I just try to give it all away as fast as I can. So I'm really happy to talk to you and talk to your friends in this space. Mm, yeah, and I feel that this is most of the people who are listening to us are people who understand that the edge is the center, is the center mm. of their life. Like the edge is might be the edge for the rest of the people, but for us, this is the center. This is the location where from where we move from that place, we think from that place, we create. It's this action, this set of skills called creating, I'd like to go there with you a little yeah. bit. Because we've been, like you said, in the last three years, I think I've probably learned double what I had before. Because we've somehow empowered other people to also be doing research, parallel research in, in these same domains. And it's, it's just incredible how rich the resources are. So that's what I wanted to talk about was about creating the path of the creator is the provides a kind of ecstasy or food or nurturing that nothing else really can like politics doesn't you know or making a bunch of money doesn't or owning a lot of possessions doesn't like all this stuff is burdensome compared to the path of becoming a creator because as a creator our job is to be a space through which the creation forces of the universe can do their work in the world because they cannot do those that work without us because they those forces do not have eyes and mouth and ears and heart and hands they don't have those material objects to work with and so when 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 you and I when somebody at the edge puts themselves in the position of being a kind of a transformer for these archetypal forces of nature then the archetypal forces of nature feel glad about it <laughs> and support support us. And we haven't been trained how to do this. So it's all about talking to other people like us, you know, say, well, how, do you, how does this work? How does it go? And I want to share a couple of secrets that we've been finding lately. And one of them is really surprising, which is if you look at traditional spiritual work or traditional spiritual teachings, you get the idea that your job is to find the source and praise the source. You know, appreciate the source, pray to the source, bow down to the source, and admire and acknowledge the source. 
the father figure in that sense. Is like, what do you think the source feels about this? So the source (laughs) is waiting to deliver its work in the world, and you've turned around and you're facing the source, and you're essentially blocking the source from going through you because you're doing what you think you're supposed to do is bow down to and put your attention on the source. Yeah. And so this this little exercise that you can try after this is we call it to look away from the light. Basically is put the light behind you. Put the light at your back. And then then you can then you can put your attention on where the light needs to go. Because you know where your attention goes the power goes, the energy goes, the energy flows where your attention goes. So it's about putting your attention on where the resources need to go. But you don't, you do not get to praise the resources except by making space in your life for these archetypal forces of nature to go through and do their work in the world through you. Exactly. I, just, I love that. It touches me so much. So in those drafts of books that I'm still writing, one of them, Awakened Healer, in two hands. <laughs> One of I'm them. We're waiting, we're waiting. I, I will deliver soon. Good. One, thank you. One of them is uh, the Awakened Healer. And one of the paradigms that I shift in, the, in this description is this, there is an idea that there is a healer who's facing a client. And they are sp- speaking to each other face to face which is not how the healing is, and it's not why the healing exists. It's actually, if there is an issue in someone's life, this issue chosen a certain person because that person can be the carrier of transmutation of whatever it is, pain, discomfort, conflict, complexity, whatever it is. And that person is coming for you to hold space. And therefore, there cannot be like one conversation face-to-face. It's actually sourced and then the healer, and then the client, and then whatever is there at the end which wants to flourish and become light. And this is the same description as you're saying. It's like, this: we are an activator of light. We're not here. Like, our way to praise light is by activating it, turning it on, right? One of, one of our websites is called the number three, three-phase <laughs> healing. Two-phase healing. And and ordinary medicine uses two-phase healing, which is you're quote-unquote well, you quote-unquote get sick, and the healer's job is to bring you back to this condition that you were before about well. So phase one, phase two, phase one. We're we're talking about three-phase healing, which is you're well, you're some condition, you have some kind of a chaos or liquid state, going into this illness, however you want to call it, a disorderliness. And that chaos is the transition between uh, between where you were before and a new condition, which we're calling phase three, which is an evolved, more aware, more more clear, present, powerful condition. And so and so to get it that the illness is part of the path. And we're not about trying to take the illness out of you. We're actually changing your condition so that you step out of the illness. Like you oh, no longer God. need the process and move into phase three and you're on your way. Amazing. It's already, there are several questions I want to bring in several deepening of this, but I want to share with you that one of the things that quite shocked me in terms of personal evolution, healing, and so on 
is there's always this conversation about you are not moving because you are in a comfort zone and you don't want to move out of the comfort zone. This is like a subject that we already discussed in the world so much. But the ridiculous thing is that most of the people will be finally willing to move away from their comfort zone only if we offer them a better comfort zone, right? I'm going to give oh, you more you money. Oh, you're pushing a button here. You're really yeah, getting well, on something. Yeah. You know, but because isn't a person, it... somebody who promises that, you know, we're going to give you a better comfort zone. It's a, a position, a character that we're calling the handsome, holy tribal man. Oh, did I push this holy tribal <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> that was and very to, fast. You know, the handsome, holy tribal man, subscribe here. You know, Patreon, his, my account is here. And I will make it a comfort zone for you that you will not even be able to conceive of. And it will be. And what we're finding is that adding this marshmallow zone on top of our already existing survival strategy takes us away from our compass of reality. It takes us away from, you know, dropping off the baggage, you know, moving down into almost nothingness so you can take your steps on your path towards going through the eye of the needle into actually adulthood, actually the free and natural Finally. adulthood. Through Finally. the eye of the needle. Yeah. yeah. Tell us more. What, what would you, can you elaborate about this compass of reality? We start there. Could be good. Yeah, there's a, there's this condition, we're calling it the V condition, this V condition. And it's like the point of reality is very small, and it's right down here at the bottom of the V. And over here is this beating yourself up. It's like, I'm not doing it right. I'm getting it wrong. I'm self-doubt, criticism, judgment, blame, you know, and it's this guilt and shame and all this stuff. And it's away from reality because it's all stories. It's all taking you way over here in this whole domain. And if, if the, other, the other part that takes you away from this point of reality is this putting on a show. See how good I am. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this wonderful stuff. Look at me. You know, love me, adopt me, take, you know, appreciate me, support me. And so both of those things, this is kind of like a, a pinball machine, and these are like flippers on the pinball machine that just take the your 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 ego, your presence, your point of attention, and bounce it all over the place. And then, and it's like it's like you have to get to know those things so that you can just breathe your way out of them and come back to this tiny little place where reality is connected to reality at the bottom of the V. Wow, amazing! So, I think yesterday or two days ago, I had this insight about ego. Of course, because like it's always here. And one of the things that I've realized is that ego is the type of placenta that we supposed to create by our tribe. So we have the first placenta when we are at our mother womb. This is like a type of something that supports you, guides you, nourish you, and so on as you're going through the first hormonal episodes of your life, this first six years. You get all the nourishment, everything there is, all the codes are there. Then uh, there is 6 to 12, and then this poverty, 12 to 18, where actually you develop your ego. But I've realized that in a normal culture, the ego is strength 
The ego is like a healthy placenta that puts you in your place in the right level. The word that comes for me is humbleness. I'm not high, I'm not low. I am that I am. However, because of, let's have this conversation and say, because of this a little bit inflated society and terrified, fearful society, what we develop is an ego that takes us so far from our nature, from connection, from truly contributing, for being part. So when you're saying that the ego is pinpointing us in two parts of this V, in this culture that we're living, what would be your guidance to it's, fall it's into really this? It's really powerful. It's really powerful to do exactly what you're saying, which is to take responsibility for being born into a certain culture that leaves us for the rest of our lives at 18 years old, still inside that placenta. And there's another culture that's rapidly emerging around the world that comes after matriarchy and patriarchy have run their course, which is now. And the new culture is called archiarchy. And instead of having a, a feminine orientation like Mother Earth or a masculine orientation like a hierarchical power structure, what you have is a circle of collaboration between the archetypally initiated adult feminine and the archetypally initiated adult masculine. And that's why it's called archiarchy, because it's the archetypal parts of ourselves that are that are contributing, They're like holding the space for this culture. So in that culture, it's centered around authentic adulthood initiatory processes that begin when we're 18 years old. When we, when we have developed enough capability for responsibility, you know, a causal body structured enough with enough matrix and distinctions to take, to take responsibility into authentic adulthood initiatory processes, which never end. The path, that path never ends. There's no top end in that path. Yeah. It's like that whole thing that I just said is not contained in our birth, in the modern culture, birth culture that we're. So it's an entirely new paradigm for, for living is oriented towards authentic adulthood initiatory processes at the center as the highest value. And it's a non-material value. And so that whole context is waiting for us. It's emerging all over the world at the same time. We're so excited about it. And we just figured out one thing that I have to tell you. Tell me. And Chloe, tell my us. partner, just she just delivered a and with Vera um, Franco a, a week long, a five-day long women's women of earth lab in portugal and in that lab they had 30 women something like that and they discovered through raging together by raging together they discovered that women create archaearchy because the men born and raised in the archa in a patriarchal structure cannot build archaearchy but the women can get out of patriarchy easier through the rage. The rage is the secret. And out by raging together, the result is a culture of archaearchy. It's just stunning. I've been waiting my whole life for this to emerge. And it's just I'm, my whole orientation towards what I'm writing, what I'm telling people, what I'm sh shining the light on is women raging together create archaearchy. Amazing. So tell me more. Tell us more. I've done an amazing, uh, several times, I've done 
rage work personally, privately. I've done it with you. I've done it with my clients privately. I've done it with group. There's so much power in that. And I would love to hear that from you. What is so powerful? Of course, rage by itself is so powerful, but how come you see it? And what did she discover of her collective rage being a type of a portal and also what gives it a power like the positive power of it we also want to speak to that right yes yes because as soon as you start observing rage or noticing rage for you know first you have to go through this cultural taboo of of being you know even in the spiritual world there's so many taboos against being something other than peaceful you know our job is to be peaceful every time you are angry you hurt an angel you know there's all this <laughs> crazy stuff going on you know but you have to get through this mishmash of of uh God, beliefs you know old old uh beliefs and and find your way to it's okay to say i feel 13 percent angry that uh i forgot to turn the light off and I'm going back now. I'm going to use this energy to go back and turn the light off just to save electricity, something like that. So the power of the anger is where it comes from. The source of the anger is what you care about. And if you put women together to rage, they will care about the earth. They will care about children. They'll care about species dying and contaminated oceans and plastic and global warming and politicians who are psychopaths at the top of hierarchies and women have this rage about this. And it's that is so intelligent that if you just bring those elements together, you're big, you're designing and building and moving into archiarchy. And so that's what's happening is women are moving together in what we call bridge houses, which is a, an environment. It's a self-contained environment recontexted in the next culture in archiarchy. Mm-hmm. Out of that comes radical responsibility, comes initiatory processes called emotional healing processes, and this this fabulous, powerful intelligence of the rage informing everybody about how to make it fly. And it's how just, to make it fly? Yeah, it's the power. It's the it's like when you know what to do. Like when people, the women come together, they rage until everybody knows what to do, and the meeting's over. Do you know what to do next? Yes. <laughs> Meeting over. You don't because need to make group feel, decisions. What do you feel that yeah. was awakened? A level of clarity? A level of dedication? Well, I think, I think it was really, there were 30 women who had done rage work before. There's a great thing called Rage Club. There's another mm-hmm. thing called Fear Club. There's a Rage Club space holder training and Fear Club space holder training. People who deliver a Rage Club every month or two can quit their corporate job. They can just quit the job and do what they came here to do because they get enough support from the people in their rage club online once a week, twice a week online. And you got enough you know, support to get food and rent and, and live your life. And so what comes out of it, what comes through it is the, is this, uh, the intelligence of Gaia, the design of the next culture of how it works, how it goes together. So you're saying your that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're saying, but my question was, what is happening there? Is there is like a type of an activation? What is happening in the rage that this level of clarity is coming, that they mm-hmm. know what needs to be done? Like I'm wondering. Yeah, it's so 
there's a thing, there's an article written, but there's also imagine having radical reliance on your rage. You know, that you know it's not a reactivity. You know, it's not, it's not, you're not, it's not a button, a hook, a trigger, a trauma, a voice in your head or an imbalance in your body. Okay. This rage oh has God. a voice and it has an intention and it has a purpose. And you start radically relying on this force of nature. It's an archetypal force of nature because it's not your rage. We're designed to experience and express 100% intense anger, sadness, fear, and joy. And when you go through the initiations that turn on that internal resource, it's forever. And you can hold space for other people forever with that. And that resource comes through with its intelligence. And that, that's a resource for you, for your life. And you, your job is to create infrastructure for archaearchy. What that means is to build out game world in which people thrive in a non-material value world. Like everything we know in patriarchy is contexted. Everything modern culture teaches us is contexted in patriarchy. I mean, okay, that means we need to learn everything over again from a different context, a different culture. Can you can you elaborate? Because there could be some of the people that listens need a little bit of elaboration of this specific moment that everything that is built in patriarchy, I, I don't know if you skip the words or not, is in some way based on materialism. Yes, I didn't say it, but material, it, patriarchy is a materialistic culture. Yeah. You walk down the street and it's more shoes. You want more, you know, more jewelry, more dresses, more phone you know, covers for your phone. I mean, it's, it's insane to think that uh, a creature as intelligent as a human being could devote their lives to having more shoes. But that's how that's what we're offered by modern culture. Whereas you could walk down a street and there could be a rage club. There could be an intimacy cafe. There could be an initiation center. There could so be a potential you know, unleashing space, et cetera. So I could go on for hours about what there could I, be. I would love that. So <laughs> in your archi archi vision, in what you see there as you're holding space for more of that to be on the planet, to be the next culture, as we love to call it, what do you see for the archiarchy? What, what is the meaning of the word are for you? Let's start from there. Because you're it's, using archiarchy, archetypes. Yeah, yeah. It's clear that human beings are designed in the image of the archetypal. And that's been known for ages. And, and you can, if you've ever been to Athens and walked down the street of the old Athens and you can see the pillars and the, the design of the triangles and the spaces that are set up to, to visit with the deities, all these, all these designs are re reflect the archetypal. And so we're designed for that. The problem for modern people is that the gateway to enter the archetypal domains is the adult ego state, the adult ego state decontaminated from the child ego state, decontaminated from the parent ego state, the gremlin ego state, and demon ego states. And so there are processes that we've developed in the last four or five years that, that are so effective at decontaminating the adult ego state from these places. And all of a sudden, these doorways are opening up, and that's what's happening in the women's lab also. These women just entered the archetypal domain, and it was home. Amazing. It, the, it, it was so delightful. I mean, we... 
I came there five days later because right after that, we had the Archiarchy Maker Fair in the same space. So I was in, a, there were a couple of men and we came into the property and the women paid no attention to the men. Can you believe it? And the men, I was in ecstasy and the other men were freaking out like little <laughs> boys. So mommy is not looking at me. Mommy's not giving me dominating power over the feminine. They, they just had no need to de- deliver their attention to the men anymore because they were in a different, totally different culture context. And they moved there. They're not coming back. Those women, <laughs> they moved there. They crossed the line. They went over the line and they're not coming back. And it is a celebration. It's, fa- it's fabulous. I heard you using the word uh, archetypal resources. Can you elaborate about yes. that? Yeah, there's there's a number of resources that we, we can talk about that are and jack into. We can actually go through the initiations and the preparations where we jack into these archetypal resources. So I mentioned one right now before, which was to stellate your feeling archetypes, which is an internal archetypal resource. So we're born with these inner structures for anger, sadness, fear, and joy that are dormant until we go through the turn-on process, this initiatory process, which like turns the switch on. So the feeling that's associated, you know, there's anger, sadness, fear, and joy. And if you turn on the archetypal resource of anger, what you get is the doer or the maker or the warrioress. You get this force in your life, the one that says mm-hmm. yes, the one that says no, stop, you, not you, here, now, me, you know, it goes like this, finish this conversation is over. Like this is a sentence that those women learn. They go, you know what? Here's the bar for our interacting. And here's the doorway. And if your offer is here and you can't make it up to this doorway for interacting with me, this is my space of interacting. And if you can't make it to that, this conversation is over. <laughs> and it, liberating. It's really. It's liberating. It's, it's well, actually the foundation to create the sacred space and living as a sacred space. It's like you need to have this doer, not doing, but being the doer, right? You need to have this yes, level and of the clarity. Sacred, the, the sacred part is the archetypal part. You know, in reality, when you stop doing the handsome, holy tribal man thing, sacred <laughs> means archetypal. And so you turn on the sadness and you get the lover, the connection, the communicator, the healer, you know. You turn yeah. on the fear, you get the magician, the source, the sorceress, you know, and you turn on the joy and you don't, people don't, we don't have words for it. So we had to invent a new, a whole new word for when you stellate and turn on to a hundred percent maximum, the joy through your nerves and your cells that you get the, the possibilitator, you get, you know, the edge worker, you get that person. And so these are an internal archetypal force of nature. You have other forces of nature, for example, bright principles. So bright, if you take consciousness and you put it through a, like a prism, consciousness will, will spread out into facets. And this has long been known, like all this is known. It's the 99 names of God. You know, you take, you take consciousness and spread it out. And every person has a set of three, four, five, six bright principles that they, they took on as a mission on earth, you know, coming into the meat and becoming incarnated. And so it's like, Part of the initiation is to jack, is to distill your bright principles out of the thousands that there are. So, so my bright principles are integrity, clarity, possibility, love, initiation, and high level fun. 
and this is what I am. And then I, I represent it. They come from back there. I do not turn around and praise them, you know. I am the space through which those bright principles do their work in the world, and I help other people do the same thing. So there's other archetypal forces also. One is called ECHO. It's the Earth Coincidence Control Office. And you can more. make yourself interesting to the Earth Coincidence Control Office, and it will reach down and grab you and pull you out <laughs> of whatever life situation you're in and drop you in a place that's useful for the evolution of consciousness on Earth. And that makes for an interesting life. So you've done that. You made yourself interesting to Echo, and it's moved you from, from Thailand, islands, you know, Portugal, all over, all over the place. It's moved still you. moving. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but, and each time you're in service at a, at a higher level to your bright principles and another archetypal resource called your archetypal lineage. We've been researching archetypal lineage for a few years, and we figured out there's these four kind of classifications of archetypal lineages that one of them is the guardian, like earth guardian, guardian of space, guardian of bright principles. So another is the village weaver, like the connector one who knows how everybody is and whoever, when the village weaver detects something that needs this out of balance, brings them over to the evolutionaries are the ones who manage evolutionary healing processes, transformational processes. And then the fourth one is the game world builders. And these are the ones who are building out energetic structures to hold the life, the life force of archaearchy, the next culture. And if you build it, people can inhabit it. So yeah. I'm a lot a game world builder. And that's why we For have sure. these 650 websites in the start over game. You just go to spaceport.mystrikingly.com and you have a gateway into 650 transformational websites. We're going to get all the links. Whoever want to go deeper in that and hopefully not only reading the links because this is the, you know, 50%, 10% of the work. Because, for example, I remember quite well the process that I have done for turning on the archetypal lineage that I am part of. I still brightly remember now as we speak how it looked from the within, what was the messages and so on. And I already had my awakening, I think, like more like 16 years before we've done it and still once we have done that together there were more people more pieces and of course more people coming into my life to activate this realization so well, maybe to receive, you to receive your gifts yeah to receive maybe what you're, you're creating back to creation but to yeah. what you can create for them yes yeah would you mind in your words sharing the process a little bit? Well, it's mostly a process of preparation. So for example, if you're not prepared to, and, and your archetypal lineage gives you a job to do, and it has, you have to go over and talk to that guy and, and make a proposal for your project and tell him you need a million euros. And, you, and your, 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 we call it your box. You called it your placenta you know, your ego and your ego freaks out and goes, well, I might make a mistake. You know, I mean, I don't want to interrupt him. You know, it's a man. You know? I mean, he might call the police. He might think I'm a pervert, you know, and all these considerations come up. Well, the job does not get done. And so it stays in the tube from your archetypal lineage and the archetypal lineage sends down another job and it's blocked by the first job you didn't do. 
and another job. And after three or four jobs come down the tube and you are not prepared to do them. And you said, I'm jacked in, I'm going to jack in and it gives you jobs and you don't do them. It's then you have a mess that's difficult to clean up because you got to, you really have to start over. So the whole thing about the archetypal lineage is preparations and preparations have to do with your attention, with your intention, with being able to split your attention so you can observe yourself and, and notice what you're noticing and notice what you're noticing with and be able to you know, speak and hold space, different kinds of space and cavitate space. And you can cavitate space in a culture that doesn't exist before. And you step in and zip it up in the inside. And you can see I cavitate space through which, you know, where archiarchy thrives. And you're in a space that's separate from patriarchy. And you can live there. You never have to go back. And out of that, you can unfold game worlds and unfold projects and deliver all kinds of your archetypal lineage. Yeah, it's almost like creating roots in multidimensional aspects. Like you're putting seeds and creating roots in different aspects and letting that thrive by you just holding that. I see that mm -hmm. so, so clearly. And it also gives me more realization about my own process of activating mm -hmm. my archetypal lineage, which was mm -hmm. quite phenomenal. Yeah. And it's, yeah, that's what anger is for. Conscious anger is for that. That's yeah, why. I love, also, I love that you use the word purpose because there's such a difference between doing it purposely and doing it as a reaction. Because yes. as a reaction, you're not going to create a space. You're not going to set standards. There's not going to be boundaries. Nothing will, new will be created as a reaction. Yeah, it will serve a, an unconscious purpose. We call it the hidden purpose. Yeah. And in the trainings that we deliver, the possibility labs, one of the initiatory processes we bring people through is distilling their hidden purpose, bringing it out of the unconscious into their own awareness as a, as a piece of clarity. So it helps navigate what they're creating. So it makes it conscious hidden purpose. Strong. Today I wrote a post first thing in the morning. I wrote a post. And I, I wrote something like, if you once just see who you are, like this thing of seeing who you are, your life forever will be transformed. And seeing who you are is really, you know, seeing this big from the stellated experience is seeing who you are. It's there. You cannot yep. hide anymore, right? It's there. Yeah, there's this saying, maybe Aristotle or somebody who said, know yourself. Yeah. And know thyself, yeah. We know thyself. We we've modified it. We say he was wrong. It's really, <laughs> it's really know thyselves. Know thyselves because we have this zoo going on in there. You have to see the whole zoo, and it's so easy to tell there's a zoo because if you're talking to somebody on the phone, you know that you're, you're talking to somebody, and their phone rings, and they pick <laughs> it up, and and all of it's their mother, and their face changes, their voice changes, their whole you know, phraseology changes, speech patterns, everything changes. And they're talking to their mother or the lawyer or the police, you know, or their kid, <laughs> you know, and then as soon as the phoning, they turn back into that one who's talking to you. And so we have this whole zoo inside. So you have to know it's yourselves. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing what you're saying. And it takes me to maybe one more topic we, tack, we touch, right? So. The type of a low game that you're now speaking with your mother, you're now speaking with the teacher, you're now speaking with the lawyer, etc. It's living a life out of reaction. 
you're always triggered. Whomever is coming mm -hmm. into your presence, you're triggered, and then you have your card, and you say, "Well, I have those cards. What what would be the card that I'm going to play now? Let me give you that." Right? It's like, which is taking you so far away from leadership, because as leader, you cannot react all day long. You cannot be triggered. There needs to be some, you know, like a distance where you can take in, digest, recalculate. Recalibrate and be who you are again. Like you take in, but you can still be who you are. You don't need to take in and then become immediately. It's not like it yeah. is. Right? It's yeah, not food. This, <clears throat> since Archiarchy is a different culture, it's emerging that in Archiarchy they speak a different language. And that language is called Archon. It's the language they speak <laughs> in Archiarchy. <laughs> it's just like there's this stuff called. Arc and permaculture. Well, what's that? Well, that's the kind of permaculture they do in archaearchy. There's arc and shamanism. What's that? Well, that's the kind of shamanism they do in archaearchy. It's a completely different kind of shamanism with initiatory processes from totally different from indigenous cultures. And so one of the one of the distinctions of vocabulary in archaearchy is that if you're playing the card of leader, You're simultaneously playing the card of creating followers. You know, in, in modern culture, to be successful, you need followers. And in archiarchy, if you have followers, you fail. And it's like what the, the different word be, that replaces leadership is space holder. And it's, it's really the qualities that you mentioned. Is it since I'm holding this space and navigating this space and then somebody else can take this job so I don't have to be space holder? We pass around the job of space holder and then give feedback and coaching so people can be better space holders. What you end up with is massively more group intelligence, massively more intelligence from those mad, sad, glad, and scared feelings, massively more intelligence from the bright principles and archetypal lineage and all those archetypal resources are available because there is not a leader. There's what there is, is a space. So the space slash the space holder, this is from where... For example, the language emerge. This is from where the initiative processes emerge in this space holding, by this space holding, by this. Yeah? Yes, as preparations to jack in your archetypal lineage, as preparations to serve your bright principles, as preparations to build out game worlds and art, uh, infrastructure for archaearchy. It's like this is all preparatory processes. Yeah. Happens yeah. in those spaces. I'm listening to that. I'm saying to myself, there's so many people searching, searching, searching. Like, how can I find my voice? How can I find my language? How can I be stable, confident in my voice, in my language, in what I do, in what is being created, what is being created through me? And all that you're describing here, like this is, I'm going to use the word map because it's a word in common for both of us, right? This is, yeah. you are literally putting here a map for all of that, which is to the individual and beyond the individuals. I love that and I yeah. love your work. It's amazing. It's a map for the edge workers who are really ready to leave behind what they know doesn't work. And instead of, you know, there's this path and we're born into this path and modern culture makes it really attractive to be successful in the definition of modern culture which means do whatever it takes to climb the ladder, become a millionaire, become you know, own property, et cetera, et cetera. 
And so if that is no longer tasteful for you, you might spin out and go and you see another another map, another another track over here, which looks like a different kind of comfort. And it's this evolutionary comfort where we're all together, we kind of hold each other's feathers down, we're peaceful, and we do the oh, handsome yes. holy tribal oh. thing with marshmallow sauce. So much, so much sadness we, comes. I'm going to cry in a minute like yeah. that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, I thought I was doing the right thing. I really wanted to help people. And I'm I'm there are I have hundreds of followers and, you know, they're really and it's another distraction from this real simple thing that has to do with getting back to this thing at the bottom of the V and then taking those steps. And it goes to this. Wow. Yeah. And it goes to this this free and natural adulthood, which is where we can play. You know, this is where you get access to the archetypal domains and you have five body archetypal intimacy journeys together. Men, women, groups, teams, create stuff. Creation is happening in this space as a, as a Taurus. We call it Taurus technology, how to work in a circle with groups. And it's just so, and I can't shut up about it. And <laughs> I hope everybody, it's all free. You know, it's like all online. It's all but the cost is you have to lose everything. You have to lose everything you think you know because everything you learn came from a patriarchal context. You get to start over. So for people who are edge workers and love to learn and help people come back into themselves and really show up, this is this is this edge workers path diamond. That you're speaking about. Diamond. This is diamond. Real diamond. This is how it feels. We're going to put the links for the people. You're going to provide us the links that they can be nourished and start their journey, open the door, say game over and start again. Can I just say something about that? Yeah, of course. Because anybody listening to you, anybody who's connected to you is already along their path. So they're not, they don't, they're not starting anything. We call it start over, you know, start over again, start over again, but they've already and everything that they've learned so far that has value, everything that has value will stay. You know, people don't lose that valuable stuff. So it's not like you're sacrificing everything. You know, oh, my God, yeah. you know, starting over again. You know, no, take your skill base from whatever you have built your skill base in and apply it in a new situation. So they don't lose anything. But you get back on track and you can feel it. You know, when you peel the marshmallow zone off and you get through your psychological defense strategy and you get back to this place where the bottom of the bead where it's just like stuff shows up and you have your energy back because you're not reacting to stuff so much you're not hooked you're not you're not listening to the voices anymore you know yeah I actually, you just whoa <clears throat> yeah i would i would rephrase it i feel that you do lose and i feel that you become really light by that you become who you are this is my experience this is the experience that i see with people and then the fear of losing what you, you would not lose who you are. You can only lose what you thought you have. Yeah, it makes more space for who you are. Exactly. And it, the thing is, we're afraid that who I am doesn't match other people's expectations or society's projections or something. Well, it's supposed not to, touch their, to match their expectation. This is yeah, and then we can celebrate. <laughs> nature. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Yeah, then you've got space for yourself. What a celebration that is to come together with other people who have space for themselves. And then, then the play really starts and it's really playing full out. 
Yeah. Clinton, that is amazing. I'm like in the middle, I was saying to myself, okay, you can just also invite him half a year from now. And that context is going to be even richer and more detailed and so on. I feel the need because that was so rich. And, you know, we are in some way, we're speaking the same language. So we are riding a certain wave, which is very familiar yes. for us. And it could be that there would be people here who would listen and that they will feel the frequency. They will feel the truth. They will feel that it touched them. And it could be that the best thing to do would be to listen again. Because in my, in my heart eyes, when I am in this conversation, I can literally see the map. Be, like there's so much richness just by being and listening to this specific again. And of course, go read Clinton books, join his laboratories. What do we have now? We have uh, possibility management. And there's lab, those things still are still active. Yeah, there's still expand the box training, which is a doorway for the trainings. Yeah. And after that, you come to the standard possibility village labs. The, and then yeah. a bunch of specialty labs are emerging. For example, the Women of Earth Lab. Super. Okay. So there's enough for those who want to step. Okay. And you're welcome. Yeah. You're all welcome. Really welcome. <laughs> and, I, and you will be so happy to meet your brothers and sisters out here. They're great. Really, when, this, when we come together, it's, it's just celebration time and really powerful evolution just keeps happening. Echo. So, I echo with that. Thank you for making this space for everybody, Omaya. Wow. I'm super grateful. For me, this podcast, it's the calling itself. I feel that this is part of the calling. It's not just the name of the podcast. This is my calling. I really feel that. Every time I'm having a conversation, every time I'm creating something in the, regarding the podcast, I'm so activated so i'm so happy i'm happy that you were accepting this invite and i'm so happy that you're in my life you are such an inspiration it's there's there's a feeling within me that when you meet good teacher it's it's a good it's a sign for a good karma it's it's a blessing and being with you and working with you and uh, was well, a beautiful blessing in my life, and I know that it is a blessing for many people who are working with me. Thank you so much. Thank you, Omaya. See you around Harvey Garden. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening and being part of this great conversation. You will find all the relevant links in the show notes as well as a link to a meditation for you to feel more connected to your spirit and aligned with your soul contract. Please, if this episode touched you, leave a review, like and subscribe. Feel comfortable to share it with your friends, family and colleagues, because everyone has a calling. <laughs>